Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to AOA. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you had a good weekend and ready to go. Busy week ahead. Uh, We're going to talk weather today with DTN senior meteorologist Bryce Anderson. A lot of rain has moved across the country. Who got the rain? Who didn't? How much rain has fallen? How much more might we get? And is this the week we start seeing the warm-up that we're, we've been waiting for for some time? So we'll talk with Bryce about that. Naomi Bloom with Total Farm Marketing will join us, talk about markets, looking back again at the last week's WASDE report and looking ahead to what uh, she sees with the markets. And we'll have a Washington update with Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley scheduled to join us this morning. His schedule is kind of moving around, so we're trying to move around and be flexible with him as well, but we hope to talk with the senator later on in today's program. Someone who's familiar with those schedule changes is Sarah Wyant, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications, who joins us now. Sarah, good to talk with you. You know how that is, right? Especially with politicians, uh, those schedules can change at the last second. Yeah, good morning, Mike. It's an ever-changing process that you have to deal with, so good luck to you on that, because uh, they always have a lot of last-minute meetings and hearings and uh, demands on their schedule, but as long as you're flexible, I'm sure you'll be good. Well, let's talk about the the schedule for this week for Congress. Uh, Infrastructure will, again, be uh, brought up, and they're still trying to hammer this out, and where do you see this going? Well, I think it's really positive that Democrats and Republicans met with Joe Biden uh, last week. And on Thursday, the Republicans came out with some pretty positive statements about the willingness to have the discussions. And they are expected to offer a counterproposal to President Biden on Tuesday. You know, the Republicans started at $600 billion. Uh, the uh, President Biden was closer to $2 trillion, so there's a pretty big gap, but um, if they can figure out something that's a middle ground, I think the Republicans will go up a little bit. Uh, it just depends on the what we call pay-fors, the revenue raisers, and I think you heard a lot last week, Mike, that there was pushback not only from Republicans but from rural Democrats that some of these tax changes, like changes in stepped-up basis and um, uh, making it more difficult to pass down family farm. Uh, President Biden says he, that's not going to be the case, but even when rural Democrats are pushing back, I think some of those tax proposals probably aren't going to make it to the final cut. Now, yeah, so what we're we'll going to see where that goes. What can make it. Yeah. yeah. Um, what can get know, through, that'll be leader. interesting. You know, it's Absolutely. interesting too, Sarah, because... Um, you know, the the Republicans want a more targeted infrastructure bill, what we consider, like many would consider traditional infrastructure projects, which were highlighted last week by the bridge situation uh, over the Mississippi at Memphis and the crack that was discovered there, which makes you think, you know, there are a lot of others that need to be looked at and that basic infrastructure, roads and bridges and rivers and things like that. Well, you're right. That need is so incredibly high. When you've got over a thousand barges backed up and a 
huge export demand. It, it just was a, a growing example of, you know, hey, we need help here out in the, mm-hmm. in the uh, roads and bridges. So if we could target those sorts of things, I think you'd find wide bipartisan support. Uh, It's just when you get into some of these other areas, uh, you know, broadband, I think, fits pretty neatly in the infrastructure. But there's a lot of other proposals that are part of that package that really kind of are hard to imagine those fit into sort of a traditional infrastructure basket. Yeah, if they really want an infrastructure package, I think they can find common enough common ground to get it passed. It's how hard will they push for these other things. All right, Sarah, um, we're going to get some um, more attention on trade this week with a big USMCA meeting. This is kind of a, a um, what's going on with Canada and Mexico, dairy issues ongoing with Canada, now GMO issues really heating up with Mexico. I mean, this kind of becomes a real the first real big test for USMCA. It is, and I think you'll get some good insight from Senator Grassley on this as well, because he pressed uh, U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai on some of these issues last week in a committee hearing, um, and she promised to confront Mexico on their consideration of GMO corn as well as their uh, plan to ban glyphosate. Um, She also is getting a lot of pressure from both Republicans and Democrats on dairy with Canada. And so, you know, both of those countries have their own political pushback for various reasons. But um, there were agreements to solve some of these longstanding issues on biotech with Mexico, on dairy in Canada, and um, they're not being met. So it should be a really interesting discussion for her kind of her first at-bat uh, going against, uh, you know, two very, very important trading partners for us. Speaking of Trade Representative Tai, lawmakers have been asking her and kind of pressing her to uh, let them know when the administration will start talking with Congress about redoing trade promotion authority. That's a, that's a key uh, trade issue. Uh, but uh, she's kind of remained noncommittal. The administration's remained noncommittal about a timeline on this. What do you make of that? Well, they say that they want to get the details right and they want to frame this around uh, by this Build Back Better agenda, uh, but it, it's pretty evident to a lot of folks that they are not jumping into this with any sort of speed, and mm-hmm. that's making a lot of folks nervous. They think what well, we should be at the table, um, you know, we're going to have to look at trade promotion authority by July, uh, and it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. And then a lot of folks, even Wisconsin Democrat Ron Kind, who we had on our Washington Week in Review video, talked about the fact that it's really a missed opportunity not to be looking at getting back into TPP. So I think they're going to face a lot of pressure to kind of uh, get a little bit more ambitious on this. Uh, and then try to maybe wrap something up, not by July, obviously, but perhaps by the fall or later this year. Yeah, I won't say trade's not a priority for the administration, but we haven't heard as much about trade issues from this administration so far as a lot of other things. Certainly, there have been a lot of other big events and a lot of things to take their time, but there hasn't been a big emphasis on trade, at least publicly. We'll see if that changes now. Yeah, there was an announcement that uh, USTR made this morning on the uh, discussions with the EU on a potential agreement on steel. I think we're going to be watching how that plays out very carefully. Mm-hmm. 
And then, of course, on the whole trade front, you know, we had another big sale this morning to China, 1.7 million metric tons, 128,000 metric tons to Mexico. So there's a lot of things we got going out our doors, so to speak. And I, I think if they're watching those, it's um, going to be even more and more imperative to figure out how do we move past this uh, trade situation right now and build these long-standing relationships in the Pacific realm. All right. Always good to talk with you, Sarah. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. Have a great week. You too. Sarah Wyan, editor, president of AgriPulse Communications. All right. Up next, we talk weather with DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson. How widespread was the rain? How big were the amounts? And what about warming up finally maybe this week? We'll get all that and more from Bryce Anderson next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Every day, DTN and Progressive Farmer editors are posting unique original content to their website at dtnpf.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crop, cattle, equipment, technology, and more. They are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit dtnpf.com today. The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting recently on Adams on Agriculture. And we're joined now by Maria Zeba. She is the Assistant Vice President, International Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. I want to focus on gaining more market access, more market share in Vietnam. What's the challenge? What's the issue here? Tariffs? It's partly tariffs, and 72 members of Congress sent a letter to Ambassador Thai last week, and they agree with us that tariffs are too high, and we need a level playing field, and we also need to address some non-tariff barriers. How big a market could that potentially be for U.S. pork producers? Well, Vietnam consumes more pork than Mexico and about 57 pounds of pork per year per citizen. So we can certainly see this market going from a $54 million market to something similar to to the Mexican market, which last year we exported $1.2 billion. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor. Restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today 
go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, let's talk weather with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, uh, I'm in west central Illinois, and we got about an inch and a half to two inches in some places here, uh, especially late in the weekend last night. Um, how widespread was this rain, and um, what were some of the amounts that you're seeing around the Midwest? Well, the weekend rainfall, Mike, uh, certainly had a, a lot of coverage uh, from the western plains uh, through part of the eastern Midwest and then south into the deep south. And uh, there were rainfall amounts of, I would say, one to three inches uh, with the heavier amounts uh, toward the uh, Gulf Coast and uh, then even uh, rainfall exceeding an inch in the southwestern plains. So it was uh, a real widespread uh, area of the country that uh, got this uh, kind of precipitation. And we are seeing uh, signs today that uh, the southern half of the Midwest and then uh, into the southeastern plains and parts of the Delta with uh, moderate to even locally heavy rainfall redeveloping. And we're going to continue to see that uh, during this week. And then, in fact... Uh, you get mid to late week, and uh, that uh, rainfall pattern actually turned Corn Belt and into the drought areas of the northern plains potentially. So it could be a real significant week uh, when we talk about uh, precipitation over just about all the uh, central part of the country. So those dry areas may actually get some of this, right? If uh, the forecast verifies, we could see rainfall amounts exceeding an inch to an inch and a half, even in central North Dakota and uh, then into the Canadian prairies. Uh, Estevan, Saskatchewan, for example, in southeastern Saskatchewan, could have rainfall of uh, more than two and a half inches. And again, you're talking about uh, moisture that gets into um, a part of uh, North America that is an extreme drought on the drought monitor. And, and obviously it's much needed. Uh, it's, it's a real back and forth week for that uh, northern sector because today uh, there is a red flag wildfire warning uh, in the northern plains and the southern prairies. I mean, that's how dry it is. And it's going to be very warm and quite windy. So that's how the first of the week is starting out in that part of the country. And then uh, mid to late week, the pattern turns uh, to one that offers uh, a higher chance of moisture. So like I say, it's much needed and obviously would be the best rainfall or best precipitation mm -hmm. that uh, we have seen in that region for weeks. Yep, some good news there for sure. Now, you mentioned temperatures. Is this the week we finally start warming up? It is going to be a mild week. Uh, there's a warm frontal boundary kind of bending from uh, an area of low pressure in southwestern Kansas that's bending north uh, into uh, southeastern or south-central Nebraska, then into uh, central Iowa. Uh, that's going to kind of stay with us all the way through 
uh, the rest of this week. And, in fact, that frontal boundary is going to try to work north a little bit. Uh, so this is a much more spring-like week. A lot of highs today are in the 70s and 80s, uh, even north into the Canadian prairies. We, we will see temperatures in the 60s only in areas where there is rainfall developing. So that's a real key feature to me in uh, thinking about how this pattern uh, is acting when it comes to temperatures. And another part of that, Bryce, we're, I think, going to start seeing those nighttime temperatures not drop so much. Oh, correct. Uh, a lot of overnight lows are going to be in the 40s and 50s. So, you know, the benefit from that, Mike, will be that uh, growing degree day totals are going to stack up, I think, pretty quickly. And uh, obviously, that's going to help crops to uh, progress. And uh, soils are going to get warm to the point that uh, they will support uh, some crop progress. And I think that we could see a real, um, a real jump, actually, in how uh, crops look. Uh, by the end of this week with the combination of showers and then these mild temperatures, a little bit milder soils. Uh, that's going to allow for, you know, root development that is more typical of what we think of uh, in uh, the middle part of the month of May. And uh, I think we're going to see, like I say, quite a, quite a change in uh, the overall look of uh, crops as we go across the country. Yeah, this might be the week we finally turn the corner. We're talking with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Now, Bryce, did I see that uh, La Nina is declared officially over? That is the uh, assessment of uh, the Climate Prediction Center uh, in the uh, U.S. Uh, National Weather Service. Uh, that uh, announcement came out last week. And uh, it, it has to do, Mike, with the fact that the overall combination of temperatures and atmosphere features in the Pacific uh, do not show the uh, imprint of La Nina. Uh, there still is a lot of cool water in the central Pacific uh, with the water temperatures uh, just uh, over a half degree Celsius below average. So that part of uh, the total equation, if you will, is uh, still in a La Nina bracket. But everything else, when you look at uh, wide scale uh, thunderstorm buildup in uh, the Pacific, and uh, the the way the deep water is uh, showing more of a warming trend, and uh, the whole uh, circulation in the atmosphere not uh, indicating a real strong uh, flow that is in a clockwise fashion around the Pacific and all that, everything is kind of settled out to where La Nina is considered uh, considered right now to be over, and uh, a more neutral pattern out of the Pacific is uh, likely to be around for the summer season. That starts to bring in the potential for maybe a little bit uh, more of a, of a prospect for at least some kind of moisture somewhere in the major crop areas during the summertime as opposed to when La Nina is in effect. Okay, so what usually follows La Nina? Do you go then next to watch for an El Nino, or can you follow up a La Nina with a La Nina? <laughs> What's the history here? There's at least a chance that the uh, ocean could cool back and uh, everything redevelop into a weak La Nina during the fall season this, you know, the, later this year, uh, or the pattern could stay neutral. 
And um, there's a very low probability at this point that uh, enough warming in the oceans around the equator is uh, likely to uh, develop into an El Nino. But um, the highest uh, likelihood right now is for maybe another little bit of cooling to bring in a weak La Nina by the fall season. But it's a, you know, it's less than about uh, only around a 30% chance, if that. And uh, one thing that that uh, specialists uh, in the Pacific have have mentioned uh, to me from time to time. Uh, scientists who, who truly uh, study the El Nino-La Nina phenomenon, is that when we are in the spring like we are, those uh, ocean signals uh, are, are really fuzzy, and, uh, and, and they're not a real, they don't show a real definite message. You hear that from both the U.S. and the Australia scientists. And so there still is uh, quite a ways to go in terms of actually how things are going to evolve later this year. And real quick, uh, South America, still dry down there? You know, it, it is still dry. Now, over the last five days, uh, there has been a little rainfall in Paraná State in Brazil. That's the number two safrinha corn crop producer. And there could be a few more showers in Paraná and Mato Grosso do Sul in the next week. Uh, I think it's going to do no more than about stabilize uh, this situation where it is. And we know that this safrinha corn crop is going to be quite a ways below expectations earlier this year because of how dry it's been okay bryce thanks a lot well you got to be the bearer of good news this week right i mean sometimes you bring the bad news but this week you got you got to talk about uh moisture and 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 warmer temperatures yeah you got to bring the good news today bring bring that all the way rolling sevens today (laughs) Enjoy it while you can, all right? Okay. Definitely. All right. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Thanks, Bryce. You too. Yeah, good to hear, especially some of those really dry areas finally getting some much-needed precipitation. A lot of areas getting some uh, rain, and then uh, the warmer temperatures that we've been waiting for. It looks like they are on their way. Up next, on his way, is Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley. Lots to talk about with Senator Grassley as we uh, look at the, the infrastructure debate, a trade debate, lots of things going on. We'll get his thoughts. A Washington update next, right here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table brought to you by CHS as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system from global market access to local expertise We'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Did you know that biodiesel reduces carbon emissions by 74% on average? It's the best option available today for states and cities across America looking to immediately cut carbon emissions. It's an important contribution from America's farmers to meeting the nation's carbon reduction goals right now. 
That's why we say biodiesel is better, cleaner, now. Learn more by visiting bettercleanernow.com, brought to you by the National Biodiesel Board in partnership with soybean farmers and their checkoff program. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. All three crop markets other than soybeans have fallen below the Green Line 20-day moving average. They have officially moved into a downtrend after hitting their price peaks last week. The U.S. winter wheat belt had widespread rains last week and looks wet again this week. Minneapolis wheat was pressured overnight due to the rain expected later this week through the dry northern plains and Canadian wheat belt. The U.S. forecast through the end of the month has above normal precipitation for much of the wheat and corn belts. Brazil has some rain in their forecast later this week and next week. On the Board of Trade, July corn trading 8 cents higher at 6.52. The September contract up 4.5 cent at 5.67.5 cent. For soybeans, the July contract trading 11 cents higher at 15.97 and a fraction. The August contract up 6 and 3 quarters at 15.34 and a quarter. For wheats, the Chicago wheat July contract trading 4.5 cent lower at 7 two and three quarters. Kansas City wheat July down five and three quarters at 652. Minneapolis spring wheat July down 25 and three quarters at 715. Last week's closing in the livestock complex did not paint a positive picture for this week with the exception of feeder cattle. Otherwise, some of the fundamentals for both cattle and hogs had turned more bearish. Hogs have the benefit of tighter supplies that could provide support, but such is not the case for cattle. August live cattle trading two cents lower at 118.82. The October contract trading 32 cents higher at 123.57. For feeder cattle, the August contract a dollar 15 higher at 152.35. The September contract a dollar 10 higher at 153.77. In lean hogs, the July contract up 57 at 109.57. The August contract up 87 at 105.65. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American. Connect Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans and if left untreated can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice U.S. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. And good to have with us Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley for a Washington update. But first, Senator Grassley, before a Washington update, what about an Iowa update? How are things looking on your farm in Iowa? How are the crops looking? Are they coming up good? Well, every week people can go to uh, 
my Twitter at Chuck Grassley or my Instagram at Senator Chuck Grassley. And for the last three years, we've been doing uh, hashtag corn watch, hashtag soybean watch. So I'll give you what I put on soybean. Uh, the uh, I took a picture of a seed so city people know what we plant, and then the cracks in the in the uh, ground where the seed is just beginning to pop up a little green dot, and then I took a picture of uh, the seed that's actually out of the ground, how the seed splits in two and makes two leaves. So that was my weekend report there, and then uh, I had already reported on the corn uh, coming through, the spiked corn coming through. This week I put a picture of, uh, uh, in my uh, generation, we always said, if you can roll the corn, that's kind of a slogan we use, you can roll the corn, and you can do that now on the grassley farm. That's good to hear, and uh, good that you're getting that information out, hopefully uh, to some of the uh, folks, maybe even your own colleagues there in the Congress that uh, need to kind of learn a little bit about that as well. Hey, well, let's talk about some of the issues. Uh, we know that uh, Trade Representative Ty is going to be talking with um, representatives from Canada and Mexico about some USMCA trade issues, and I know you're especially watching the one with Mexico concerning GMOs. Um, yes, uh, they have, uh, starting in a few months, I think it is, or maybe it's the end of this year, they're not going to allow GMOs in. Uh, that's a violation of the U.S.-Mexican-Canadian uh, trade agreement, and so I want uh, Ty to fight that very hard. I think she's committed to doing that. And uh, then with the, the outlawed glyphosate as well, and that's another pr problem for the Iowa farmers. And we want to make sure that, uh, that uh, Mexico abides by it, just like we want Canada not fully agreeing to our, uh, our uh, dairy agreement with them in the USMCA. You feel good that she's going to stand strong on these issues uh, at these meetings? I think so. I, I think the only thing that would keep her otherwise would be if the State Department or the Commerce Department interferes or if the White House. But she she's worked these issues for uh, seven or eight years being the uh, chief trade person on the House Ways and Means Committee. She knows what it took to get USMC through. through. She probably had a big part in that as the top staff person for Ways and Means. And I think she's committed to carrying it out. What do you make of uh, the administration's um, seeming reluctance to really commit to working with Congress on Trade Promotion Authority? Uh, why do you think there's, they're waiting so long on this? Well, they shouldn't wait very long because I think after June 30th, the authority runs out. And if it isn't instigated or repeated and renewed, it would be... Uh, uh, it'd be difficult. It wouldn't be difficult for them to continue to negotiate, but it'd be difficult for any agreement they make to get through Congress with, uh, without amendment. And if you can amend a trade agreement after the president has signed it with another country, no country is going to negotiate with us in good faith. So, uh, in fact, you might not even be able to reach an agreement with them under those circumstances. So. We need to make sure that uh, that we get it uh, renewed, 
and renewed quickly uh, to build confidence that we're going to continue uh, free trade agreement negotiations. And uh, and your, your question is difficult for me to answer because you're asking why. I think that that there is a lot of disagreement within the Democratic Party about free trade agreements. Uh, there's even some of that in the Republican Party, but there's more of it in the Democrat Party. Interesting. We're talking with Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley. All right, take us into what's going on on infrastructure. Are the are the two sides? Are you uh, is your side that's pushed a more targeted approach to infrastructure, and the president wants a much bigger package? Is there some middle ground here? Do you think we're close to any kind of a compromise? We can agree with the president in a bipartisan way on both the substance of a free trade agreement and the size of the, I'm I, I said that wrong the infrastructure we can agree with them on the substance of it and in regard to the amount of money that ought to be spent in that area somewhere is around 600 billion because that's about what he has in a two and six tenths trillion dollar bill he wants to spend money beyond infrastructure in a lot of other ways. Uh, just give you one example: 400 billion for Medicaid expansion. Now, maybe Medicaid expansion is a legitimate subject, but it shouldn't be thrown in with infrastructure. Infrastructures, uh, highways, airports, locks and dams, uh, broadband, things like that. It's not Medicaid. So my assumption is that if you could get it narrowed down to what we call traditional infrastructure projects like you were describing. There's, there should be enough bipartisan support to, to pass something like that, isn't there? Well, there, there would be. There wouldn't be any disagreement on what ought to be in it. There, there's only a few billions of dollars difference between the White House and what Republicans in the Senate want to spend on it. Uh, there would still be some disagreement about financing it. But if we can agree on everything else, we ought to be able to agree on it. So the big kicker is, will the president be willing to separate out the $600 billion for infrastructure from the other one and uh, eight-tenths trillion that he has in it for everything other than infrastructure? Mm -hmm. Well, let's look at the payback or the pay-fors to get something done. Uh, the president... Uh, pushing some tax incentive uh, some tax of proposals that would touch on some real key sensitive areas for agriculture stepped up bases uh, land exchanges things like that how much are you hearing how much concern are you hearing from people that are very concerned about uh, these changes that have been proposed well i'm very concerned about it it would uh, change a uh, 200 uh, 100 year old law on stepped up basis as an example and it would uh, it would make it very difficult in some instances of farming operations to pass it on from one uh, generation to another. And maybe with this increase in land prices, it's going to happen because of $7 corn. It could push a lot of other uh, farms uh, into a difficult position. Uh, so let's, uh, let's go back to uh, the, the issue of uh, financing. Uh, I think, first of all, reports that I heard out of the White House meeting with Republican leaders that Republicans are not going to change anything in the 2017 tax bill. 
it seems like the president has accepted it. Now it hasn't. They haven't come to an agreement on what to uh, do to finance it. Uh, and if we could increase the gas tax, but the president doesn't want to do that because he promised people he wouldn't increase taxes on people below 400,000 uh, income. So, you know, user fees usually pay for infrastructure, and it should continue to do that. I don't want to increase the gas tax either, but it, at least the people that are using the roads are going to pay for it. What about the efforts by the administration to get another 4 million acres into the uh, CRP? Do you see that as doable? Well, I think it's uh, it's awfully uh, detrimental to what we know is going to be a problem, feeding uh, 8 or 9 uh, billion people on the face of this earth. And they aren't all going to be fed by American farmers. But we export about a third of our product, and if you're going to uh, if you're going to do that, you're you're hurting the humanitarian aspects of American agriculture. You're going to hurt the income of American farmers if you uh, don't export. And when you take land out of production, you're going to hurt the small businesses in that part of the of the country where they put so much land out of production. You're going to hurt. The, the people that that uh, farmers that spend the money uh, in town, you're going to hurt the small businesses that sell input into agriculture, and you're going to hurt the s- small businesses that uh, process the products of American agriculture. Mm-hmm. Well, Senator, we'll let you go. I appreciate you uh, finding time for us. I know you got a busy and changing schedule today, and we appreciate the, you being with us. And uh, thanks a lot. We'll look forward to talking with you again next month, okay? Thank, thank you very much. Goodbye. Take care. Iowa Senator Charles Grassley, and his schedule has been really changing around this morning, and we appreciate that time, and I'm glad he could work it work us into his, his schedule. All right, up next, we're going to talk markets with Naomi Bloom, Senior Market Advisor for Total Farm Marketing. As we look back again on the WASDE report last week, another big purchase by China, still buying our corn. Well, what does she see for the markets ahead? Uh, Drought concerns are certainly lessened this week with the uh, the rain that has moved across. So where do we go from here with the markets as we wait for that big June 30th uh, acres report? What happens between now and then with markets? We'll get her thoughts. That's next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it. But only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids 
kids, parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. From cancer patients to accident survivors waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. How many acres are you keeping an eye on? Another pair of eyes could be very helpful in protecting your ROI, especially ones that are highly trained. And that's what you'll get with an FS Crop Specialist. They can spot issues you might not even know you have using the latest technology, including thermal, drone, and NDVI imaging. Then they can get an early treatment plan started. Contact your local FS Crop Specialist to learn more about our crop scouting services. It's one more way FS is bringing you what's next. Step right up and engage upon this Learn more about soil health principles that can turn your soil into a star performer. Contact your local USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how. This message brought to you by USDA and this radio station. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Kurt Blade, Senior Vice President, Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. We get the latest numbers on ag equipment sales. Not only do we have another strong month, but now we can look at a very strong quarter to start off the year. Some areas we've seen strength in throughout. Maybe some other areas we're starting to see a growing uh, strength. Uh, kind of break it down for us. The, the main story that we want to talk about really is this under 40 horsepower tractor market. And it can, just continues to be so strong. With higher commodity prices, we're seeing a stronger demand for new equipment. What about the supply to meet that demand? You can't turn on a newscast today that doesn't talk about supply chain issues. And it's not limited to agriculture, but certainly we're part of that same environment where, you know, there's a a well-documented microprocessor shortage. And so, you know, a lot of ag equipment falls into that category. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Each and every day, DTN and Progressive Farmer editors are posting unique, original content to their website at DTNPF.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crops, cattle, equipment technology, and more. You'll find innovative topics like, would you plant soybeans in December? 
Experiments look at the possibility of boosting yields with early planting. Want to save time? Learn how through autonomous machinery systems. Will there be a surge in feed prices in 2021? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? The editors of DTN and Progressive Farmer are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Let's talk markets with Naomi Bloom, Senior Market Advisor for Total Farm Marketing. Naomi, thank you for joining us. I guess we start again with China, right? They're still buying. They are still buying. A buying spree last week, and it continues again this morning. Uh, 1.7 million metric tons for corn for new crop for delivery. Uh, so that was really exciting. You know, last week they bought a total of um, 5.1 million metric tons in eight days, and now another 1.7 this morning. So the demand is there. Uh, we found out today that the, the wheat situation within China, they've been getting too much rain, some hail, some winds, and so now their wheat crop maybe is in jeopardy a little bit. So it makes sense that they're still buying feed the price, relatively speaking, especially after that big correction we had. They bought on sale. So that's, it's exciting news. And I, I really think that the corn market has found a, a short-term low here with the price correction that we had last week and, and last night even. I put together for my clients uh, some technical indicators showing how on the four stages of the rally that we've had since August, each time the market corrects on corn, it does a 50 to almost a 61% Fibonacci retracement correction. That is exactly what it did with Friday's close and even Sunday night's trade. Corn really trying to dig its heels in here at this price point, and there's just good value here. Um, I, I don't think you can write off that this um, market rally in the big picture is over and done with. There's a lot to come yet. It still is the middle of May. Yeah, you don't think it's over yet. Now, certainly uh, dry weather concerns for the time being, have been put on hold, right? The, the, these rains uh, over the weekend and into this week uh, will certainly help a lot of areas. Oh, there's so many places that needed the rain. So that's going to keep um, a lid on a big jump up higher on a rally potential. But I think with the correction that we've had, the market's going to dig in the heels because if you stop and look, uh, you know, depending on the amount of rainfall that place has got, it's not depleting the subsoil moisture. We've got clients in Iowa who say, no, we've got to dig down two feet before we can find any moisture in that soil. So the rain that happened over the weekend and what is expected to come, definitely helpful to get the crop up and growing, but the subsoil is still depleted in so many places. And when I watched the radar all weekend long, the Dakotas barely got a thing. So that still is an issue for those producers in those areas. Yeah, hopefully they're going to get some this week. So you never want to say never, but when you look at the corn market, it, it seems it's hard to see much of a drop. I mean, yeah, it's going to go down some days, but the the demand, the the stocks, everything would indicate it, it shouldn't drop too far. Is that right? That's my opinion, yes. You know, we know that we have an old crop situation where ending stocks are snug, and likely to get a little bit tighter in the upcoming USDA reports. As we know, when, when the situation is truly tight for ending stocks, 
the USDA is slow to make any bigger changes because they need to drag on as much as they can before the new crop is available. And then they'll tell the truth about how tight the old crop actually was. So now we're also in a situation where going into this growing season that we have, we still don't know for sure where the acres are. And I know that one private analyst company put out a huge number last week. I don't believe it. I don't think we can have 96 to 97 million acres of corn planted because corn is the second place leader er, right now. We got beans that need every single acre that they can get. And so if we have corn with 96 to 97 million acres planted, that means soybeans lost acres. And soybeans can't afford to lose any acres, period. So bigger picture, I do think that what we see on the June 30th report will be larger than what we saw on the March report as far as corn acres planted and soybean acres planted, but I don't think it's going to be any bigger dramatic numbers. And even if you add in a million to two million acres of both corn and beans for acres, we still cannot afford any weather issues this summer. We would still need to have those record yields in order to make the ending stocks grow a little bit because the demand is so strong. So again, I really don't think this is an overdone done with. I know it spooked a lot of people, but when you have big rallies like that, the corrections are also going to be big. And so um, in hindsight, you know, there wasn't really any topping signal until the USDA report came out. Then we had some reversals for corn. Um, but beyond that, um, this is just what bull markets and volatility are all about. And then you figure in the safrina crop in South America, um, it, it it's reduced. I mean, there's no way of getting around it with the dry weather they have. Yeah, absolutely. And, and looking at weather forecasts there, um, there hasn't been anything that suggests that that dry trend is going to just stop and, and turn around and, and we're going to see abundant moisture for them. So that's a situation that we need to continue to monitor. I think a lot of it has been priced in to the market already. But again, it's not enough to alleviate the global supply situation where we have that supplies are getting smaller. And you need to remember, three quarters of the world's crop for corn is grown in the northern hemisphere, so we have to watch our weather this summer, what's happening within Ukraine and Europe, and then, of course, within China. So uh, lots to weather watch this summer. We know China's still buying, as we've talked about, but have these high prices discouraged other buyers from being uh, active buyers in the market? Well, um, I would say in the bigger picture, there has been a little bit of discouragement. But today, Mexico bought 128,000 metric tons of corn. So they also took advantage of this price break, and they did some buying. And the other thing to remember is that it's kind of normal this time of year for our export sales to get a little bit quieter. A lot of those bigger countries want to wait until we get closer to harvest because then traditionally that's when we see our price lows. So um, for China to be buying the amount that they're buying this time of year is not normal. So that's something to really be aware of as well. Of course, who knows anymore, right? Because this rally started during harvest time last year. Yeah, right. Actually, I mean, that's a good point. It did uh, get going at the end of August after that dredge storm and with that August heat. So always lots of surprises and twists and turns and, and you got to be ready for potential more upside to come and then at the same breath if the weather ends up being perfect from here on out maybe prices don't have to do too much of anything else yeah we will see naomi good to talk with you thank you very much yes you're welcome thank you naomi bloom senior market advisor for total farm marketing that wraps it up for today thanks so much for joining us have a good day everyone join us again tomorrow right here 
on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.